Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to VUX World. Ready to rumble, Dustin? Yeah, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. We're we got a lot of people on the on the podcast on the stream today. We'll see if it's more of a scholarly discussion or more of a clown car. We'll see which uh, <laughs> which way it goes. We'll see which way it's going to be testing our facilitation skills. This because uh, we've got we've got well, five people all together, which we don't think we've done on a live broadcast so far. Um, but I do hold the control of, of bringing forward and backwards the video and uh, and mics. So uh, so there we go. I think the hardest part of this discussion is going to be shutting these individuals up once they get started. <laughs> <laughs> but but that's what they're here for. They're here to talk. They're here to share their insights and they're here to share their perspectives. And so let's do this. Let's get on with the show and welcome in our guests. First up from just outside Washington, D.C., founder of Witlingo, Ahmed Bouzid. Ahmed, welcome. Hello, Kane. Dustin, thank you for having me. Very nice. Very nice. Thank you. Thank you. Likewise. Likewise. Very nice to have you on. Thank you. Uh, next up, we have John Kelvy, CEO of Bespoke. And John, now then. Hi. Nice to see you. Glad to be here. Nice to see you again. Returning to the podcast uh, for the second time. I, I should have done my research and homework and figured out the first time that you were on. Uh, I think it was in 2018, perhaps a while back. Um, but yeah, welcome back. And uh, last but certainly not least, Brett, Mr. Voicebot Kinsella. Welcome to VUX World. Hello, Kate. Hey, long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is a pleasure to have you all on. Absolute pleasure. Um, so yeah, let, let's let's dive into this. I think it'd be would be worth giving some background. Um, and so we've been in within the industry. There's been talks, discussions around this potential uh, voice winter has been something that's been discussed quite a lot. And I think Brett, when I was on the Voice Podcast, I think you asked me that same question: Has there been a voice first winter? Are we in the middle of the voice first winter? Uh, and I think your your perspective was that we haven't even had the summer or the spring yet, and so and so winter would be a fine thing. Um, but there is there is some notion that there may be a little bit of a lull within the industry, within the community and, and people potentially getting a little bit frustrated with, with where things are at. Maybe these things aren't happening at the pace that we would like them to or expect them to. And Ahmed and John both wrote some fantastic articles. So John, yours was called Voices Stuck. And Ahmed, you wrote two which were pretty good ones. One was Voice First Sucks, which is a quote from one of the voice lunches that you were at the other week. Yeah, um, please. It's under, yeah, between quotes, right? Yes, it's between quotes. It's not, it's yes. not, it's not, it's not your quote. Um, <laughs> and, and you haven't named the individual whose quote it was yet either so we get yeah, well, no. um but but there's some interesting interesting concepts in there um and also you wrote one for uh, opus research which is around trying to go from hype to value and so you know we'll, we'll, we'll kind of walk through this we'll understand your perspectives we'll get Brett's perspective and we'll kind of just see whether voice is stuck and whether voice first sucks essentially um but before we do that let's just kick off with some with some traditional intros i'm i'm pretty confident that the vast majority of people tuning in know exactly who you all are so maybe we'll keep it fairly brief but ahmed we'll kick off with you do you want to introduce yourself with lingo and tell us a little bit a little bit about yourself sure so my name is Amit Bouzid, um, founder and CEO of Woodlingo. Um, we are headquartered in McLean, Virginia, which is about five miles from Washington, D.C. 
Um, and what we do, we, we are a software as a service company, uh, and we have tools that enable um, usually business owners, for example, somebody who is in digital marketing, in the digital marketing team, or in the customer care team, uh, to manage the, uh, the content uh, of their voice experiences, right? So Alexa skills, Google Actions, but also we're launching um, some additional uh, voice and audio-centric solutions that can be managed by our tool. The key to the tool is it's on demand, it's easy to use, um, and um, anybody who can use, say, for example, Twitter um, or uh, Twitter as a, as a content manager or Facebook will be able to use the Whitlingo, we'll call it Whitlingo Studio. Fantastic, wicked. And John, what about yourself? Yes, I'm John Covey. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Bespoken. We provide automated testing, training, and monitoring for voice. Um, and I will just, uh, since we're talking about these articles, I'll just try to quickly summarize what I had said and voice is stuck um, as a way of introduction. Um, you know, for one thing, it's it's nice to be with this group because we've all been in this space for some time. And I thought uh, as we've worked together and as this has evolved, um, you know, every year it's nice to kind of look back and see what's happened. Um, and this year, sort of reflecting on it, um, you know, I had a couple observations about what happened over the last, you know, five or so years. Um, and one is with Alexa and Google that they have perhaps not reach some of their promises platforms um, you know to bringing third parties into the ecosystem um, and I really thought that this was a lot due to privacy that they're not giving people sufficient tools uh, so that they can really be effective um, and so then the other side of this coin that's come up is you know there's been a demand and there's been a lot of conversation about custom assistance um, and I think custom assistants are very promising we work with a lot of companies that are building custom assistants but I do think that they're very, very complicated to build. Uh, if you need to select a speech recognition system, select an NLU, um, handle lots of audio production, uh, putting that all together is very much non-trivial. Um, and so, you know, I sort of posit that this should be made easier. I'm sure we'll explore how it could be. Um, but that's what sort of brought me to say, well, voice is stuck because you have the sort of platforms are a bit stymied, and then this other path of going on your own, but that impossible is quite difficult. Um, and I think that's, you know, so that's sort of been my, my observation with it, and I, I look forward to talking to you all about it. Cool. Okay, then. Well, we'll dive into that in, in, uh, right about now. But first, Brett, do you want to introduce yourself and tell, us, tell, tell the one person who might be tuning in that doesn't know about VoiceBot what VoiceBot is? Well, I guess I'm... Uh one of the latest ambassadors of Clubhouse, and that's how people know me these days, at Brett Kinsella on Clubhouse and Twitter. Uh, but VoiceBot.ai, we try to be the central repository for all the information that people need to understand what's going on in this industry, to keep track, to form their own opinions on what's happening uh, from a news standpoint. So VoiceBot.ai, from a podcast, we do, we've done hundreds of hours of interviews with innovators, Kane Sims, John Kelvey, Dustin Coates, Ahmed Bouzid, have all been on at one point or another. So as a curator of that, you can understand that, uh, you know, I have high respect for people on this on this uh, panel today. Uh, and uh, we have Voice by Research, uh, which is, you know, I think 
has the most depth of research in the voice assistant and the voice AI space of anywhere else. So those are the primary ones. But then the one other thing too, for those of you who are Voice Insider subscribers, so that's a uh, that's a newsletter we send out each week. John Kelvey, I think, was the first supporter of uh, of uh, Voice Insider. I put something out today about how, what explains why uh, why the platforms maybe have plateaued and you know, what that means. You know, the discussion today will be much broader than that, but it's been something that's sort of been sitting in my inbox for a while. And you know, our goal is to educate, help, you know, support the community. We we don't view ourselves as a cheerleader. I've gotten into some Twitter back and forth with a few people about this. Uh, we try to look at the data and draw conclusions from there. Cool. Okay then, well, let's kick off then. Um, why don't we start with, uh, I like the virality. Yeah, exactly, and, and the background, Brett. Your background is looking pretty looking Yes, pretty well, I loved it. I, you know, was it nice that I branded my back wall with UX world, yes, it was. Yeah, you should. It's. It's. I'm glad. I'm glad you got the. Just sign. playing to the crowd. I'm glad you got the sign. Uh, the gift that keeps on giving, right? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's. It's all. It's. Yeah. I'm paying. I'm paying for the promotion though. He hasn't, he hasn't told you about the invoice. Um, so, why don't we start then? We 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 set the context pretty well. Uh, why don't we start with what what was or what is the promise of voice first? in the first place. So when we talk about, you know, uh, John had mentioned it in, 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 just in the intro there around, and, and Brett, you alluded to it, the platforms are stagnated or what have you, like what what is the ultimate vision of what Voice First is supposed to represent before we get into um, where things are at right now? And we're not going to go panel by panel because Justin quite rightly uh, <laughs> pointed out that uh, it gets a bit rigid and a bit boring. So we'll open the floor up and Dustin I nominate. Well. I nominate the speech technology expert on the panel. Okay. I'm assuming that's you, Ahmed. Oh, is that me? Okay. Well, which one of us calls it speech? <laughs> okay. Well, I appreciate that for sure. Um, okay. Well, I can I can tell you since I've been this bit for a long time what um, what the promise that we have always felt uh, should be is. Um, then maybe you can talk about whether that was a reasonable set of expectations and and so on. Right. So uh, before the the, the the expression voice first or the term voice first was born probably 2015, 16 or something like that. You know, we talked about speech, speech technology, speech, right? And and we uh, we folks who are uh, and who are in speech, we had this thing and we would just say, hey, you know, speech is around the corner. Meaning uh, clearly we have gotten to a point where things are going to tip. And uh, it's going to tip in that folks are going to start to use it um, in dictation, right? And dictation is going to work great. And we'll be able to, the telephony, we'll be able to use it in telephony. And, and, and then when smartphone came, you know, came around, it's going to be used in the smartphone in, uh, in a way where you'll be able to type less, right? So... It was really boxed into that, um, um, I would say, into, into, into what we knew was possible. Uh, the only thing, the, the dimension that we were thinking would improve is accuracy and speed. Um, now, what Amazon did was, I think, revolutionary in that they introduced a concept, uh, oh, they introduced a concept in the mainstream, right, of far field. They definitely were not the first ones to introduce the concept of far field. 
um, I think I tweeted um, a couple of days ago, maybe yesterday, about a company called the Ubi, or a product called the Ubi, which was a Kickstarter in 2012. And it was basically, uh, it was a, a speaker that you plug in the wall, right? And you talk to it, eyes free, hands free. That was the first incarnation um, that was trying to go mainstream of far field voice. And once, once I saw that, right, it took um, my imagination and the imagination of a lot of folks who were working in the weeds about, you know, in speech technology, accuracy, you know, and latency and all that, as well as natural language. It took us from the form factor that we're familiar with, mainly telephony and, um, and the PC, you talk to it and there's dictation and maybe for doctors, you know, uh, recording, you know, uh, reports and having that be transcribed and filled into forms into a new a set, into a whole new world of set of possibilities, which in fact is where speech really sh should live, which is the use case, should fulfill the use case of your eyes and your hands are busy and you'd like to do something, right? And so we all know about, you know, when you're preparing food, when you are fixing something, you know, uh, when you are folding clothes and so on, um, you want to be able to say, what time is it? What's the weather? Or play the song um, or set a reminder and do those things without interrupting the flow of whatever you're doing, right? So when, so my, my point is that our expectations were about performance and so on, but then it just opened up, the set of use cases opened up and our set of expectations just blew, um, uh, went into a, a whole new um, uh, dimension, right? So now we were thinking, we started thinking about the fridge and, you know, the coffee maker and beyond the smart speaker, the TV, and you just talk, right? And so in terms of expectations, at least my expectation was that uh, we are going to go beyond uh, the smart speaker, and the smart speaker is, going, is the first um, point of entry for eyes free, hands free. And um, 2015, 2014, when it came out, and 2015 came out mainstream, the echo that is, we're in 2021, that's almost six years, I'll say five years, really, five years going into six years. Um, and given, at the time, given the acceleration and innovation, right, six years is a long, long time, right? So the expectations was Alexa would probably be something that we would say, hey, this was the first incarnation of voice. You know, I'm able to do a lot of things now with voice, you know, washing machine and, and so on. So I think uh, just going beyond skills and actions at the high level, I think we felt, I think I felt, a lot of folks felt that voice would be a lot more ubiquitous, uh, ubiquitous than, than it is right now. Um, I'll say that, but then uh, now I'm going, I'm going to say that perhaps we were not reasonable, and then the, um, the extent to which Alexa has embedded itself in our lives, given that it is very, very hard for any product to become part of your life, right? I mean, any given product to become part of your life is, is, a, is, a, is a hard thing to achieve, and so therefore the miracle of a smartphone, which not only has become part of our lives, but has taken over our life, um, but it has become part of our life, uh, I, and, and, it, and it plays its, its role. And therefore, um, I would say that there is value there, but it feels to me that we can, we can definitely take it to the next level. Um, with, I'm sure we're going to talk about this with, with the, some concrete things we can do as a community. Okay, so, so there's quite a lot in that. You, you were starting out by talking about the performance of the technology mm -hmm. and then the ubiquitous 
nature of it and expecting it maybe to be to be more uh, present perhaps than it than it potentially is mm-hmm. you mentioned skills and stuff like that and, and that's the kind of third party area that i think some people have had a little bit of frustration with but you didn't really focus that much on that otherwise but john on, on your post you were saying about this gold rush you're expecting a gold rush so you know, given what Ahmed's saying around around what is voice first, which sounds as though ubiquitous access to computing using your voice as a primary interface to get done whatever you need to get done wherever you are. I don't want to put words in your mouth, Ahmed, but that sounds like more or less what what the kind of train of thought was. John, what what were you referring to when you were talking about the the gold rush or the 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 well, I, uh, anticipated gold rush? Yeah, I mean, we've had two recent ecosystems develop, uh, first with the web and then with mobile, that have been massive successes. Uh, They've been built around either open standards and or well-defined APIs that have allowed many, many people, both users and developers, to come into the ecosystem uh, and have a huge impact and uh, have a huge impact um, no matter what their size is. You know, mobile has been huge for big enterprises. It's been huge for indie developers. And I I certainly did think, well, voice was going to be the natural next big ecosystem, uh, which I think it it still may very well be. Um, But I think some of us were hoping it would be of the size and the order of magnitude of uh, the mobile or web. And that, you know, that's not has, you know, that's not what has come to pass. And I think that's, you know, that's this conversation. I think it's it's interesting to see what happened that brought us to the point that we're at today. And then, you know, what are the things that going forward could perhaps um, bring it closer to that? As well as, you know, there's a third part of it, which is just accepting that voice and AI are a little bit of a different animal. And also, you know, seeing how to take them on their own terms. Um, but I, I mean, very succinctly, I think we're expecting the second coming of the app store. Um, that's what the expectation was. And John, you said earlier that you think that it's due to privacy concerns. I think so, though. As I've spent more time thinking about this and talking about it, I do want to introduce one other thing. I, I think leadership has been an issue. Um, and I, I took this from Lauren um, Golombowski. Uh, sorry if I said your name wrong from Boxable, but she, when we had the voice sucks voice lunch, she said this, that there wasn't enough leadership. I mean, on mobile, we think of it as a duopoly, but from a UX leadership perspective, it's not a duopoly. It's a monopoly of Apple's ideas. Um, and we sort of live in a monopoly of Amazon's ideas and their leadership. I don't, you know, I'm not trying to um, belittle Amazon, but I don't think it's of the same caliber as what Steve Jobs was providing. Yeah, I don't think it's the same thing as the monopoly that iOS is is created. I mean, there's a great article this week on how Apple basically controls computing just because of its stranglehold over iOS. And, you know, I can link to that for people in in Twitter if they want to read it. It's like 15,000 words, but it's really well researched. Uh, I think, John, my perspective here, I think, is a little bit different in that, you know, Mark Andreessen talks about generational technologies, and he says when he first heard of generational technologies, he thought it was, oh, because they come around every 20 or 30 years. And his insight was that, oh, wait a second, that's not exactly right. It's not just that they come around at a period of time. The old generation has to die off 
before the new generation will act, can actually take over. And so there's a lot of technologies that we've been waiting for for a long time before they really bust out and become these really big uh, capabilities. The other thing that I think we do is I think it's when you're in the moment, it's very hard to have perspective on what's going on. And I remember really well, and I know you were doing this is too, John, in the in the mid, late nineties, it was very expensive to spin up a website. If you were a if you were a big brand or something like that, you were gonna spend a million dollars just on infrastructure. You had to deploy your own servers in order to have the service levels that you were gonna want. Then you not only had to develop the design, but then you had to impl implement it for three to five different browser standards. All very expensive, nothing to do with actual the consumer engagement because there was almost no engagement. Everything was custom built. And you, I'm sure you can talk about that, but they invested a lot. It was, it was a different type of transition than we're going through now, uh, but it was worth it ultimately. And then the other thing I would just add to that is when I look at these cycles, what I think what you have to look at is what came out of each phase of the cycles. And so I actually, I, I think I agree with you on this, or maybe we've talked about this, but maybe not for a couple of years, that the, the platform here is AI. Voice is both an interface and a, a, an operator that'll make the AI more accessible. When we look at that though, we have to think about these mini cycles. So back with the web, what happened is up through 1999 and 2000, there was overinvestment in fiber infrastructure because people saw what was going with on with the web. They think it was going to totally explode. And they built far more infrastructure than they thought was, or than was actually turned out to be required, particularly after the bubble burst. What that meant was a company like YouTube could exist because there was so much plentiful bandwidth that it started to become available. There was a lot of excess compute power. So it was somewhat affordable. Now, was it affordable? I don't know. I mean, they had to sell to Google so that they could actually afford the server and, and transport costs, but it was, it was possible in a way that it wouldn't have been if there hadn't have been that overbuild. And so what we look at is in each of these things, and even with the web, that was only there because email was already successful and people were building out the pipes and the, and the, uh, the standards in order to be able to support email. And then because that infrastructure was there, the web became possible because it was riding on these other rails. And so if I fast forward and we'll skip over mobile, maybe that's a, a discussion for another time or later. But if you look at what's been built, I think it looks very much like me to the late nineties where we had in some ways overbuilt uh, the uh, infrastructure, the tooling. I've never seen a and a tech market with this much tooling available. I know there's a lot of complaints about what's not there, but, but I think you're talking about mature markets. I mean, this is still a relatively new market in the voice assistant game, not in the speech technology game that Ahmed was talking about. <laughs> but there's been so much infrastructure built. There's been a lot of tooling built. There's been a lot of investment, a lot of advances so that people can actually do something like what what Bank of America did with, uh, with Erica, probably for a 10th the cost you know, certainly a 20, 20% of the cost, a fifth of the cost, but, but maybe a 10th of the cost today of what they, they invested in it. So I really think of this as just being one of the many phases and there's all these nuances about, you know, Amazon and Google. Um, and I disagree with the leadership side, by the way, but just to put a finer point on this, I think we're just in this transition period where we're absorbing all the riches that we've put out there and we're thinking about different models and in my voice inside today, I told you, hey, I tried to explain my thesis on why the general purpose ecosystems like Alexa and Google Assistant have plateaued. 
And, you know, I think, I think there's a lot of good arguments for that. And you know what, I don't blame the organiz- those organizations for the decisions they've made, but I think in some ways they built the plateauing into their model. Uh, but we have all of these other things uh, that, that they have spurred in the market just by them being involved that then have led us to this point where so many other people can start building these other things where, where I think the momentum really is, which is not on those platforms. Okay, that's interesting. I will let John respond in a second, but I wanted to just raise this um, question about whether it sounds as though what you're saying, Brett, is that there's a lot of infrastructure being laid. All the pipes are kind of being laid around, not not just those assistants in general, but talk, talk about conversational AI broadly speaking. You know, if you did want to create your own assistant, theoretically, you can do it on something like Twilio, you can do it on something like IBM Watson. You could use Dialogflow if you wanted to. It's not going to be a massive, sophisticated thing, but you can get started in that kind of way. And you know, the comparison to, to the App Store and the potential gold rush that we've seen there and comparing app to uh, voice to mobile and, and the concept of apps and, and all that kind of stuff. Do you, do you think that, and this is for everyone, do you think that people are thinking about it in the wrong kind of way? Is, is, is voice uh, either interfaces or operating systems, however you want to describe it, is it so much of a different paradigm that, that using the mobile app analogy is just the wrong way of thinking about it? Yeah, and that's actually that's actually the, probably my next voice insider. We we need to think about voice differently. I think there's a different model here. Uh, we've talked in many way many times about how it's like the web. We've talked about how it's like mobile. I've even talked a few times about how it's like social in certain ways. It's not like any of them. It's partially like all of them, and it's like something else as well. And this shouldn't surprise us. the The capabilities that led to Uber or Waze were not something that we would have conceived of necessarily. Well, people were thinking about it, but it's not something that we could have done with the web where you're stuck at a desk in order, in order to access it. So when we, when we look at this next phase, you know, we've, we, we started with this idea of centralized computing. We moved to mobile computing. Now we're looking at automated computing. And this idea of AI is what it does is it automates all sorts of things in our lives. And automation may seem like it undersells what it's going to do. But this idea that you can have the, the systems do things for you, even anticipate your needs, but you know, execute commands and do it through natural language, I think is really significant. And I do, I do believe that sometimes there's a confusion about the voice AI, about the voice part of voice AI. And the, the thought that the voice is a revolution. No, I, I would say voice is part of the revolution, but it, that undersells the part that we're not using even that much was the AI. We're using the AI for natural language understanding, let's say maybe even some of the dialogue management, but we're not, uh, we're not using the, the AI necessarily for the, the dynamic responses. And so that's where I think a lot of these more robust apps are gonna come out, which are gonna drive more demand because these are the things that are gonna be 10X better than things we have today. And, and that's really where things that we can't yeah. do today that we haven't, haven't been able to conceive of based on our existing paradigms have been, we've been able to do. Yeah. Um, so I just want to basically reiterate what Brits uh, is saying regarding the, there's a wealth of tools and capabilities. And I think we can declare, I think we can declare the speech recognition problem solved as well as the natural language problem solved enough. Right. I think where where a lot of work remains to be done, and this, is, this goes to the crux of one of my uh, articles that 
I put out you know, a few weeks ago, which is um, I don't think I don't think a lot of people out there, and this is not meant anything more than an observation, uh, fully understand uh, voice, the voice interface, the voice first interface, or the voice only interface. Uh, and I do think that there is a radical difference. Uh, although there is, there are always intersections and similarities, but there is a radical difference between building a voice experience that is um, pleasurable and effective and all that, and building a mobile app and building a, you know a good website and so forth. You know, obviously, uh, I think the transition from a website to um, to a mobile app had to do with size, right? So the challenge there is size. But it still was, you know, touching, clicking, clicking was touching, right? And it was still visual, it still had graphics. Um, so I think I would say it was a linear, um, a linear transition. Whereas here, I think, um, if you want to use geometric metaphors, it's sort of a perpendicular, right? Um, so the notion of time uh, in the web and mobile is 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 not as crucial. Right, so there's persistence of of information. You can you can launch an app, go come back five minutes later, um, click on a button, you know, see what happens, discover the kinds of things that you can do, and so on. None of that, or none of that, is available in the voice uh, you know, interface. When I'm when I what I mean by voice interface is conversational voice, right? So you're engaging with some intelligence, and you talk back and forth with it through voice. There's chat by text, and I think that's a different animal, actually. Um, and so I think there's a challenge here, um, two types of challenges. One is understanding voice and what makes the voice first interface. What are the characteristics of voice, of the voice first interface? Not its strengths. I don't want to call it strengths or weaknesses, but just the characteristics of the voice first interface. And then um, when you want to solve a problem, you are using voice first, you need to have a match between the key uh, aspects of the problem or the key things that you want to do and whether voice fits, voice first fits with it or not. There are situations where it fits very well and there are situations where it just doesn't fit. I'll give you an example of where it doesn't fit. If you're doing, you want to book, I don't know, you want to, you want to, you want to book a trip and a trip has the hotel, the flight, the hotel, the car rental, and you want to compare prices, times and so on. So persistence is really important. So it, Probably um, you would need, a, not on, probably even the app is not as good as a web browser. I always, when I book a trip, when I used to take trips, right, I would book a trip by going to my browser and spending half an hour uh, probably just, you know, taking my time to do the right thing, right, get the most of my money and my time. Um, whereas if you try to implement that through an Alexa, you're asking for trouble, obviously, because there's no, no persistence and you can't compare and easily and all that. And so, um, an example of where it would, you know, voice first fits very nicely is, let's say, a quiz where, or you want to memorize something. You want to memorize 10 facts, right? And you just sit and you talk to your Alexa and Alexa um, asks you a question, you get an answer, it says that's right, or it's wrong, the answer is this, let's go to the next one, do it, do it, do it until when it asks you a question, you get an answer, so okay, now I have memorized this thing. Why is that, why is, uh, what does it fit? It fit because it's invisible. I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but whenever I try to memorize, I close my eyes. Right? Close my eyes, and then I try to visualize whatever I'm trying to memorize, and then I repeat it to myself so I have a feedback through my voice. And then repetition. Time is important because it asks me a question. I need to answer it immediately because that's a 
um, sort of a, an assessment of how I'm a recall, right? Am I recalling it fast? And maybe it will take me longer than I need first time. But then after three or four or 10 tries, it will, the synapses have been established that I can recall quickly. So I think well, the bottom line, really, I think there is a lot of learning needs to be done, which means a lot of hard work, just get, understands the basics. And secondly, very you know, equally importantly is if you want to do anything, whether actually it's voice or anything else, you just need to go and talk to your target um, user base. Talk to them, observe them, do your UX research. You know, it's almost always the case, I would say, that people skip that or they just they do it a little bit, right? Uh, but because they want to get into the fun thing, which is design, or maybe even more fun, which is development, right? Um, so understand the you know the voice interface, and then do your homework before you do anything else. It may be after the homework you say, "I'm not going to waste my time and money on this. There's nothing here," or maybe you learn things and say, "Let's just do this thing instead of what we thought we were going to do initially." Hmm. John, oh, go uh, ahead, Brett. I think you can't. <clears throat> we lost your sound there. Oh. But... Well, I think Brett was trying to keep John from speaking. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> John, you were talking about uh, the expectations. <laughs> Uh, you were talking about the expectations earlier. What, how do you see it now? Well, I, I think Ahmed's giving a lot of good advice on what is actually uh, the state of the art and what is the current state of things. And so I think, uh, so we've touched on what the expectations were. So what is it today? Um, and I think there's a few things that we've learned and it is quite different. Um, one thing that I think is a big learning and I wrote about this last year and I wrote about it since then, but I think we have to favor domains over apps. I think that's, if we're talking about the platforms, uh, thinking about things in terms of domains, uh, in terms of queries, user-centric commands, as opposed to an application where an application builder is putting together a bundle of functionality within their own little brand. Um, the domain is what's winning. It's, it's uh, voice is best when it's natural and intuitive for the user if people need to explicitly ask for something, as Ahmed was just saying, it really doesn't work well. People don't remember it. Um, so I think that that's a key thing to keep in mind. And that does sort of change the dimensions of the market because there's probably, you know, there may not be as much room uh, for people to play in a domain-centric world. Um, and that's where, you know, I, I don't, you know, we don't see our role as being pessimistic or optimistic about the market, we really try to stay on where it is. And what we see working is there's certain domains that work great. Uh, and you can chart the success of this market and the path of voice a lot based on how it takes down these different use cases. So it works great for media. Uh, it works great for recipes and for timers and weather. Uh, it will work great for TVs. I think TVs are an absolutely essential use case, uh, media queries, that type of thing. In car is a natural use case. Um, those are all areas that, as they uh, are steadily brought to users, uh, it's going to uh, just really increase the adoption. Um, and so it's not just about overall, generally, what's happening in voice, it's about how it's working for these specific scenarios. Um, you know, another sort of simple rubric that, you know, we've, in how we think about the market is that it's more about commands and queries than conversations. I know we call it conversational AI. I use that term. Uh, I like that term, but it's really more about dialogues than conversations. 
And in terms of what the technology provides, I see people saying that uh, the tooling and uh, Ahmed said ASR and NLP are solved. Uh, they're not solved. I mean, there's a lot of problems with the ASR and NLP. We see it all the time. Um, you know, a lot of the numbers that people float out there, like it's 95% accurate, those are really non-real world scenarios. Um, so there's a lot of improvement that needs to be made there. But in the meantime, what works well are commands. Uh, commands work great. Queries, simple queries work great. Even doing multi-step queries and multi-step intents, that works well where it's a dialogue that's sort of on a pathway. Um, I think those are the things that we see really succeeding. And that, that's about taking the technology where it is really implementing it successfully. Um, and then the last point that I'll sort of make uh, about the, the state of the art of things um, is that I think there's this really, it's a hard thing to explain, the sort of dichotomy that I've come up with is there's the demand side and the supply side. Uh, the demand side, I think, is what I've been accustomed to thinking about. Uh, it's about providing utility either to consumers or to other businesses. Um, it's about you know, basically creating applications for people to use. And I think as developers, which is where my headset is, because that's what I am, uh, that's what we tend to focus on. But with voice, because it is about automation, uh, as you're saying, Brett, uh, the supply side aspect where people, uh, you know, if you're a business that is providing services to someone, you know, somebody calling up, they don't care whether or not uh, there's a robot that answers or there's a person that answers they want a solution to the reason that they're calling. They want to have, have a satisfactory call. Um, for you as an implementer then on that supply side, you can uh, automate that process using AI and really have an incredible impact. Uh, and we see a lot of companies that are very interested in that. We think it's a very dynamic area for voice and AI. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's one of the examples of where you can leave the sort of previous analogies behind. It is different than building a mobile app or building a web app. It's just a new thing that's related to voice, it's related to AI, and it's a new opportunity. Uh, and it's, you know, frankly, it's, I didn't say it's quite a good thing, but it's also just about taking it on its own terms. Kane, we haven't heard your opinion so far. Based on your expectations getting in and where we are in 2021, how do those match up? Uh, so my my initial expectations when when I first come across, for example, Alexa or Google Assistant, <clears throat> was that this thing really should be able to do absolutely everything. <laughs> so so that was kind of my expectation. If I want to add a note to Evernote, I should be able to just ask it. If I want to read my latest pocket article that I've just saved, I should be able to ask it. If I want to send an email, do that. Send an invite to someone, do that. Join a hangout or a Zoom meeting, do that. I, I expect to be able to do absolutely everything that I need to do at the at the drop of a hat within an utterance. And thinking about hearing what you're saying now and, and listening to this discussion, I think that those expectations are, in the short term are unrealistic. Um, but what I did want to ask is whether or not they're unrealistic because of the platform capability or, you know, leadership, where there's a, there's a little bit of, of disagreement potentially with where you guys think that the leadership situation is at right now. So, Brett, you think that those two companies have got fairly strong leadership. Um, but my sort of question is, my expectations of being able to do absolutely everything with, with, with an utterance. 
are those expectations not being met because the on as John was saying on the supply side haven't been moving into this space as fast? So the Evernotes and Pockets and all of those brands and companies that have services haven't flooded into this ecosystem at the speed that we would have thought it to, to have done, or is it because the ecosystems themselves are not hospitable enough to attract them? I think there's what a lag. Think, I, I think there's a lag effect. Uh, anytime that we have one of these things that's a new platform, there's certain types of things that rush, rush ahead, and there's other things that come later. And a lot of the things you were talking about are more enterprise oriented. So they have a, a different because they're baked into product. It's a it's a different adoption cycle, and it just takes them longer to say to the point where they decide, yes, this would be a good idea. To figuring out, okay, how do we implement that idea, and then ultimately implementing it and promoting it in the market, getting feedback and improving it. So those are the things that I I really uh, would focus on. I will say that two things. Uh, First of all, this they're, they're talking about transactional AI in the chat, and I think that's right. I mean, I, I think uh, Steve Tingris may have said uh, I/O, you know, input/output only, and I think that's mostly the way the the capabilities have been deployed today. And, and John and I have talked about this for probably four to five years about this very this very topic. The other thing that you know, I think is also true, what John said, is it, it is really the things that work are dialogues, not conversations. We've written about this in Voice Insider. Uh, you know, most of the time your, your user doesn't want to have a conversation with you. They just want to get something done. Uh, so keep that in mind. But there are times when that might happen, right? So this is that vision of data uh, in, a, in, in the new Star Trek versus the computer and the, and the deck at, at the old Star Trek. You know, what, is it functional or is it, is it something you interact with? Uh, I would just come to this point where when we talk about this idea of lag and adoption and sort of driving these things forward, you know, two years ago today, or this week, I think, I wrote in Voice Insider that Alexa and Google Assistant would be known as the assistants that launched 1,000 assistants. And I've said recently that I was wrong about that. I think it's going to be 100,000 or a million assistants are going to come from that. Because what they just did is, in, in their leadership, they showed everybody what the value could be of having a voice interface at a very basic level, but then a voice assistant and those more robust capabilities. And so it started to get people thinking about what if they had their own. Now, not everybody was ready to jump in. And, you know, a couple of years ago, I think it was a very different situation than today. But now that they see that, People are thinking about it and we see it. Uh, I see it in some data. I just did some research with marketers. A lot of them are looking at some sort of custom assistant. Right now, uh, some have, employed, have deployed them as chatbots, some have deployed them as voice. So we have to always be careful about trying to you know, call the game when we're only in the third inning, right? So if, if, if for those of you who know baseball analogies, probably not the best. There's a lot of, a lot of people who probably have never been to a baseball game on today. But that's really what I, where I think about it. I say that there are so many things that people can do. And I, by the way, just on that leadership point, and I'll close on that. I think the leadership in the space has been amazing. The uh, Bezos, uh, to a lesser extent, Sundar Pichai, but absolutely him as well. Uh, Adam Chire and uh, Doug Kitlaus, uh, uh, Larry Hack. There's a lot of people 
that have had really big impacts in this space. And what they did is they not only put money behind it, but they gave people enough confidence who were not in those companies to say, yes, this is going to be important and I can invest too. It's almost like they gave them air cover to say, yes, we understand this is good. And because they're doing it, because they have this leadership and because they're actually building pretty remarkable systems. I mean, try Google Assistant for search. It is excellent. Try Amazon Music Unlimited for, uh, for, for your music listening. It is excellent. And so we can find those great solutions. And then we had that leadership that drove us in, that found some of those early use cases that were good. They showed the investment. They've made those tools available. They made the infrastructure available. You can, you can build these things and access ASR and NLUs for free for, you know, in low volumes. You know, to me, if, if that hadn't happened, we would still be where we were four years ago. Yeah. Um, I just want to chime in a little bit on the leadership. So I, I do agree that um, Amazon and all the big names that you mentioned uh, have provided a, I wouldn't call, I would call it mega leadership, right? Meaning they just titanically created titanic shifts. We were stuck forever um, in the space and I'll jump on my soapbox and beat up on nuance, right? Because they, I think they are responsible for being stuck. Probably it's not fair, but uh, I think they, so I see that and that's for sure. Um, and there's no way we could, uh, I don't think only we could have been here if it were not for Amazon just investing a lot of money. And then also, of course, uh, um, uh, Siri um, and Apple acquiring them and it, it just created the space. I would say the space was created in 2010 and beyond uh, as we know it. Um, I think I think there is to a certain extent where, where there is failure of leadership. Let's say, for example, Amazon is in um, taking the ecosystem of the Alexa skills kit and ABS seriously in that um, they are not taking care of their partners to the extent that they should. For example, um, they just happily keep on making Alexa uh, more and more powerful. Um, by themselves adding features uh, as opposed to having like the OS, the iOS, right? There's an OS, there are some core features, but there are apps uh, that add value. And those apps are part of your iPhone. And your iPhone is not complete without those apps, really. It, it would be a shell of what you want, right? Whereas Alexa, right? You know, most people don't even know that there's something called the skills store. Um, I mean, it's in surveys, I don't probably... Um, Brett would have a lot more scientific surveys, but our own surveys in our own, um, say, communities of, say, assisted living homes and so on, you just don't know what a, what a skill is. And even more technical folks don't know what a skill is. Um, so I would say there is failure in that uh, to, to the extent that they have not um, uh, worked closely with partners to, uh, for example, enable the discovery of, uh, of what folks are doing in a far more natural way than that they're doing right now. Right now it's haphazard and you do what you need to do and they tell you you need to do this and this and that to surface your skill. And it just, it doesn't work the way it should um, smoothly. So there is a failure at the micro level, at the mega level, nobody can deny that without, um, that without them, we would not be, um, that we would not be here today. So I wanted to just touch on that point. And the second point quickly is we folks, who are in this space and who have ambitions and expectations and want to make money and want to create value and so on, we have our own um, expectations. But I mean, if we if you think about the 
the folks who are using these things in their daily life and have nothing to do with post first, they just use it. I think they're happy with what they have. I think they use it. It's part of their life. It delivers value. I don't know. Maybe, Brett, maybe you have done surveys about <coughs> folks who are just regular folks and whether they think this is where it, they expected it to be or whether even the notion that they had expectations um, that were surpassed or not occurred in their head. Anyway, she wanted to differentiate our expectations from the regular human being. Okay, so, so you, John, you had some thoughts on this, and I'd, I'd, I'd be interested in... The leadership question, to me, is, is one of the most interesting ones. Um, and let me first off say that, uh, you know, thank you to Amazon for creating this space. Because in 2012, I was working in speech recognition, and the state of the art was nuance, as I mentioned, which was um, no good. non to work with. <laughs> um, in case anybody from nuance is here, I guess I'll leave it. But, um, no, they're good people. The people who are in nuance are good. Nuance is a company. It changed overnight. And I remember I called the people at Google saying, you have the best speech recognition. Can I use it in my product? And they said, thank you. No. Yeah. <laughs> and well, Alexa came out. And it changed the conversation, it changed the whole market overnight. It brought uh, speech recognition and you know voice AI uh, to the forefront. And you know, I mean, it's it's why I have a career in a company doing this. Um, so let me frame it. You know, I'm not going to say it's a failure of leadership, um, but there's opportunities for leadership. I think are left on the table. Let's put it that way. And I think that the big opportunity that's missed is that Amazon's headset, I think, is a lot focused on AWS um, or defined by AWS. So even though they are known for being extremely customer-centric, they're not known for being a company that excels at user experience. If you look at AWS, uh, they are incredible um, at uh, delivering features to developers. And if you look at the uh, trajectory of AWS over the last 10 years, it has just steadily and steadily improved uh, and added more and more capabilities that have made it, um, you know, phenomenally complicated, but also um, the most powerful computing system, uh, you know, that we've ever known. And I think, I think they've approached Alexa the same way. And instead, I think they need to think about it as an operating system. And what's the distinction there? The distinction is that an operating system serves a user. It does not primarily serve developers. And those also has APIs and is there for developers to build on, the user is what's central to it. And Steve Jobs obviously understood that. He built the, the iOS, I mean, from the very beginning, I wanted a keyboard on this thing, right? Uh, I wanted my Blackberry and everything else. He made a very important decision of what to leave out, which was a keyboard. And many other things, lots and lots of hard decisions. And that's the key thing for making an operating system. I think that's the leadership that is uh, to some extent absent with Alexa, where they're not making judicious decisions about what to leave out. Instead, it's let's throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. That can work with something like AWS and a platform like that, where developers will relish that complexity. But on an operating system, users will not, and developers will not, because they will then build apps that just confuse users. Um, so I think that's the leadership opportunity. It's on the UX side that's really, really missing. 
Yeah, I just want to add one quick thing. I mean, we mentioned nuance. And the other thing I think has happened is you can thank Jeff Bezos for this as well, is nuance has actually done a lot of innovation over the last couple of years. They had not, they'd really slowed their innovation significantly. And there was like, a, they were just harvesting cash out of that business. Hey, let's, let's, uh, let's say a hooray for competition, right? Yeah, exactly. And when you look at they nuance automotive spun out to Searance, Searance is in completely different business than nuance automotive was a couple of years ago. Now, a lot of the things that nuance is announcing today, were in the pipeline before, but they've been able to accelerate it because of that. We, you know, we have other companies like SoundHound in the market. We've got Rasa with a very robust open source solution out in the market as well. So no, no one's mentioned Microsoft yet either. Well, you know, interestingly, Microsoft just sort of works on their own timeline, their own path. <laughs> Microsoft has maybe the most sophisticated stack of anybody out there. They do have a complete stack that anyone can buy mm -hmm. and, and implement. And I, and I believe they'll be one of the two winners in this space, in the custom space. Uh, but uh, but I'd say that all of this happened because Bezos reignited the industry. The Apple post jobs basically decided that voice was an interface to make it easier to interact with the apps, and in fact, even when they announced it, they basically it a said it's a, it's a feature of the iPhone, right? Whereas when, when Bezos came around, he said, hey, let's take a new approach to that. And that really influenced Google as well. Google was working on things and had other services, but they accelerated it and they moved forward. I mean, the things they're doing with Duplex, although like there's not a lot of information about it, I mean, it's very sophisticated. So I, I think that the leadership in the space is maybe underappreciated. It's like pretty incredible, I think, what's happened. And, uh, you know, we can talk about whether people use, how many of these services people use and what the demand side is. But if you just look at the things that we can do now that we couldn't do on an iPhone, you know, four years ago, or we couldn't do anywhere 10 years ago, it's, it's really remarkable to me. I'd be interested yeah, but, in, in get, so like on the, on the one hand, you know, there's the question of skills and and, th and actions and things like that. And I think Sean and apologies, we haven't got to the comments. I mean, it's it's been such a lively discussion. We usually get through the comments, but we haven't been able to do that. But we will be on Clubhouse after this. If you are on Clubhouse, you can join us there. Um, so so you know, you talk about skills and actions and third party development and ecosystems and things like that. Um, and the question I have, and Dustin, let's bring you in. You've been very quiet so far, Dustin. Let's let's bring you in for this for this question. Um, the question I have is. If you look at it from Amazon's perspective, from Google's perspective, they're spending their time and energy building out core infrastructure. Infrastructure, yeah. Google's assistant is the front face of Google and will be the first point of contact for Google in the in the next sort of ten years or so. Amazon Alexa likely will be the first point of contact for Amazon in the next sort of ten years for most people. And so they're they're thinking about things from a long term selfish perspective understandably the benefit that that we get in the community is that when google builds something cool for themselves they might roll it into dialogue flow or a suite of their cloud services same thing with amazon they might roll things into into lex and aws that come out of the alexa development but i think that some of the some of this like winter um, talk and, and all that kind of stuff. My observation is it's mostly coming from third-party developers who want a piece of the pie. Whereas my question is, is it our right to demand a piece of that pie? Isn't Amazon perfectly entitled to look after itself? And isn't Google perfectly entitled to look after itself? Well, let me, can I address that? Go on then. Well, and yeah. then we'll bring you in, Dustin, because I'm interested in your thoughts as well. <laughs> go on. Oh, sorry. Did you address that to somebody? I'm sorry. No, no, go on. You go, you go no, on. Go ahead, we'll, we'll bring Dustin no, I'm sorry. You go ahead first. Sorry. All right. All right. Um, 
Can you repeat the question? I'm at a. You threw so, me off so, the. Yeah, you threw me off the game. My, my my question is that <laughs> that a lot of a lot of this talk of of the voice winter. Oh, and, do we deserve and, money for like? Do yeah, we deserve do, the as, as third party outsiders? Do we deserve a slice of that pie? Or are Amazon and Google perfectly excited to look after themselves first and and kind of leave leave us fend for ourselves? I don't think that's an either or the way you phrase that question. I would say they are perfectly good to look after themselves and we don't deserve a single thing. Uh, if I mean, there's people who are having some success, right? There, it's not wild success, but there's definitely having some success. And if people want a piece of that pie, they can go and get it. You know, I just looked it up <laughs> because, um, Brett, you mentioned something that, that uh, raised my thoughts. And I looked and I saw Flappy Bird was about the time uh, after, you know, iOS and Android were released that we are now after Alexa and Google Assistant. And there has been no Flappy Bird. And the question for me is whether there's the demand there or there's just not developers building it. But unless there's someone building a Flappy Bird uh, or something similar, right, then no, there, there's no way to deserve that. I think Amazon and Google have given us all the tools we really need. Maybe people will disagree on undiscoverability, but even so, you know, you mentioned Clubhouse, I think five times on this, on this recording. <laughs> uh, no one needs, no one needs discoverability to, to find Clubhouse. Robinhood, I think was the number two app on the app store and the, the Android play store last week. Nobody needed discoverability. There's no recommendations for Robinhood. It was all word of mouth, right? If there were really good, skills and actions people would be using them and and there there are a few certainly sleep sounds things like that but that really viral skill that we were talking about three years ago just hasn't come and so we, we don't deserve the money no okay. go on ahmed yeah we'll, we'll let you speak i mean and i'm sure i'm sure john and brett have got, uh, yes. got some thoughts on this so i mean to the extent that um one takes responsibility for one's product right the alexa skills kit and alexa voice service and and, and the latest iterations of those, um, it is their responsibility, the responsibility of whoever got the product out to live up to the promise of the product, right? Especially when the promise is we are going to build a you know a product that allows the community to build on top of it, and we are going to invest $100 million, and maybe a lot more, right, to promote this ecosystem, and we would like the ecosystem to make money and, 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 right? So let's uh, let's uh, let's think in let's talk in context. What did Amazon say? What did they promise? They made promises where people decided that there was money here, and they said there is money to be made, and they they pitched this and they sold it to folks who decided to uh, leave their job. And so there is definitely an ethical, at the very least, moral um, responsibility. Um, now. Hey, you know, Amazon is a business, right? A business is not a person. So can one say that they should behave morally and so on and so forth, right? But as a business, right, one can definitely say that they have either succeeded to a certain extent or failed to a certain extent to deliver on their promise. And we can say that they have failed to a certain extent to deliver on the promise that folks can build a business on their platform. And, you know, uh, well, people have failed for many, many, many reasons. But uh, to the extent that I can enumerate the five or six things that come in the way of delivering a great experience, um, to that extent, I would say there is a failure of leadership. Uh, but that failure of leadership compared to all the pluses that they have given us, again, to Brett's point, if one were to do a scale, right, obviously one would say that they have delivered quite a bit. But I think there is meaning um, to uh, the statement 
uh, Amazon has failed in uh, the leadership of Amazon has failed in this very specific way. Yeah, but was it a failure of leadership or was it a failure of execution? It was a failure of leadership because there was vision pitched um, and that vision was not followed through. I mean, there's some great leadership that leads to the entire platoon being decimated. I mean, it's just like it's not always going to great leadership does not always lead to victory. No, uh, leadership means maintaining in my opinion. Right. So uh, uh, creating a vision, maintaining a vision helping folks move forward, protecting folks, making sure that uh, they get, get they get there, right? So you can have, you know, a captain or platoon leader who has um, poor leadership and everybody behind him is a great soldier, right? But because of some bad decisions that they made, right, it ends up, um, they end up in a, in a bad way. Um, so I think there is some of that. Again, it is not completely their fault, right? Um, uh, but I think I can... I can enumerate, I can write an article and say there are seven failures specifically, uh, and then folks can engage with me and say one and two and three are bullshit and the other ones are good, right? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll publish that on VoiceBot. So <laughs> I, I recommend you do that. All right. And, and I, I, I believe that part of the, at least certain elements of their thesis were incorrect uh, or that they overlooked certain mm -hmm. requirements that yeah. needed to be in place in order for that to be c correct. Mm -hmm. But my view is that you're you've gotten what you're going to get out of the platforms for the time being. You know, this is goes back to what we said at Voice Summit two years ago, and people worried about discovery. I said, no one's coming to rescue you. You're well, on your own. On. Let me give you an example. No, sorry to interrupt you, but uh, just no. Let, let, well, let me just finish this point. Yeah, I think on. that the, I just want to, and, and I, then I want to hear your example because yeah. I think that the. The point here is that this is not the core business of Amazon or Google. These are side projects for them. They're supposed to be uh, enhancements to what they're doing today, mm -hmm. but there are other things in their business that are more important to them. And so they will not go as far as some organization, other organizations might because they always are worried about risk. And that risk sometimes to the rest of their franchise business outweighs something that they might do, which is a little, which is a little bit on the edge, but might give them a bigger chance to succeed and actually drive that third-party ecosystem forward. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, hence, hence uh, one more reason to break these uh, monsters apart, right? Um, you know, I, know. Well, I think that's an excellent point because I do think that there, I like, the things that I would suggest that Amazon should do. Um, like, I don't think it's a really subtle thing. I mean, I, you know, like you mentioned Adam Shaw's leadership. I look at the architecture that was done with 50. Maybe it took him a long time to come up with that. I kind of look like, I mean, he probably figured that out in about 10 minutes was my thought. Uh, he knew exactly what a voice assistant should be. He knew exactly what third parties should do with a voice assistant. He knew exactly how to fit them into the ecosystem. Um, and you can contrast that perhaps with a recent podcast you had where I still think it's unclear coming from Amazon how third party it is. Um, and I don't assume that it's going to change uh, anytime soon. Um, but that said, I mean, we're here today because we want to put out there what we think those positive changes could be. Um, you know, and maybe it'll be done by Amazon. Maybe it'll be done by a company like Raza. You know, somebody like Raza that sits there and says, look, building a true voice-enabled uh, AI-based OS is an absolutely massive opportunity. And we as a startup have every incentive to execute on it in a way perhaps that these big guys do not. Yeah. 
Just let me give, give my concrete example so that it doesn't sound like I'm just complaining. <laughs> uh, so so uh, an example of, of real failure that they fixed, right, after a lot of noise, which is you, uh, for the longest time, you couldn't enable your skill uh, unless you went to the browser or the app to click on enable, right? And then they moved on to where you can say enable. And now they have moved on to a point where you don't have to say enable. It's just to say launch, right? Um, Okay, so if you're trying to uh, launch a voice-first uh, skill and you have part of the installment process is you have to go to a web browser or an app and click on enable, I have use cases where that just kills the use case, right? For example, folks in assisted living homes who just are not technologically savvy and they just will not do it uh, or they can't do it because they, you know, they, they don't see very well and they don't understand what an app is. All they know is they have an Alexa and they can say, it's, it's hard enough for them to just launch, say Alexa, launch X, right? So that's clearly, I cannot close that deal if we're talking about dollars, if I cannot deliver the value because there is this big obstacle. So there are things like that. There are concrete things like that that, can, that are solvable, we know are solvable. But they just languish, and they just languish, and they just languish. And folks who are in the trenches can come up with uh, with things like that, right? Um, another one is transcription, right? Uh, Google gives you the transcription of, um, uh, you know, whatever you say, as well as the intents and so forth. So you can do more than simply say it goes here. You know, you can store it, you can search, you can do all kinds of things. You can enable folks to discover what people are asking for. Alexa does not allow, allow, allow for that. Maybe it's a little privacy issues, uh, like, like John said, right? No, but then again, when you go to your browser and you type, right? You type stuff, right? You're typing stuff. You're selling Google exactly what you want, right? Why can't that be provided to, uh, you know, to a third-party developer who will be able to mm -hmm. deliver value if the person explicitly said, I want to use this specific uh, skill? So I don't think there is a special thing. There's confusion just because there's voice. People think that... Uh, there's a new privacy issue. There's privacy, I think, only to the extent that something is listening to you all the time and maybe listening to you uh, at inappropriate time. But all right, we don't have to, we don't have time to talk about privacy. <laughs> that's, that's a whole other rabbit hole. But I would just say that I think you're talking about problems at the margin. I don't think even if those things were perfect would have made a bit of difference in terms of platform adoption by consumers, usage rates, session length, any of the metrics that we might be thinking about. Well, I disagree. I actually believe, oh, I understand. Yeah. I'm just telling you what I think. <laughs> I think that the fundamental problem is we haven't had more robust applications that people really were compelled to use. Not compelled in terms of they were forced by something else, but themselves, they were so self-motivated. And what we've seen with new applications over time is that the ones that become really big, a lot of times are pretty janky when they first roll out. But they're so compelling that people deal with the the issues, both on this, both on the publisher side and on the user side, until everything comes together. And then, you know, we in retrospect, we're just like, yeah. oh, this thing is yeah. amazing. Yeah. And we, we forget like how terrible it was when no, it first rolled out, no, but it really no. solved that great no. problem. Because, because exactly, because they found an actual problem that voice can solve. And those jitters are just, you know, things that you can solve, right? 
Um, so it is a combination for sure. Um, I mean, you worked in smart home, right? That was in, yeah. for Amazon. I yeah, mean, it smart, it's it a smart home is an excellent use case. <laughs> exactly. There's, there's a lot, not everybody uses it, but there's a lot of people who use voice for it. And the ones who do are very loyal to it. You know, we, we talked about music earlier. There are some use cases which are 10 X better than on the mobile phone or on the desktop. And those are doing well. And then we've got all these other things that people have tried to force fit from either the mobile yeah. or the desktop paradigm that just aren't a good fit. Like they're not a good fit. It doesn't matter what how good the UX designer is or how good the discoverability is. Like even if they discovered easily, it's going to be it's it's not a fit. So I totally agree with that. I'm just saying that you know uh, in the spirit of being constructive, Amazon has uh, and Google and we both have uh, uh, caps. I think it is our responsibility as folks to just make the asks clearly. Right here are the asks. Um, yeah. And more importantly, is to do the research. That's what I started with: is do your research before you go and and spend money trying to build something that will, nobody will use, even if you hire the best UX designer. Uh, I don't know. Steve Jobs didn't do a lot of research. <laughs> well, actually, well, we'll talk about that. That's another session, actually. <laughs> I'm sure there's probably things going on, but yeah. So, so let's let's wrap it up then with with something that, given what we've discussed, we've gone through a hell of a lot. If you could change anything for, to, to be more positive, what would you change? Justin, let's start with you. We're going to go, we'll go around this way. We'll give Ahmed the last word. What would, what would you change, Justin? If you're going to change anything? I, I think I would change the conversation. I know that's a bit of a weaselly answer, <laughs> um, but the, the thing that I keep thinking is, I mean, we haven't even really defined what we mean by voice first. Like, like I like to start at the, at the first principles. What do we even mean by voice first? Because the truth is lots of people are making money on voice. Lots of people are making money on voice. Uh, Gong recently, for example, raised $200 million at a $2.2 billion valuation. That is nothing if not a voice use case, um, or I mean, might, might call it a speech use case, but still, um, these technologies are being used. Uh, I, I see Rain just raised some money from Black & Decker, I believe, uh, to go into industry. Like, voice is being used. So are we talking about the smart speaker platform? Because... Uh, to be honest, that, that conversation is getting a little boring to me. The, the more exciting conversation to me is where voice is actually being used, where we can move forward. And, and yeah, smart speakers are going to be around for a long time because they benefit Amazon, they benefit Google, they benefit, you know, Apple. And maybe there might be some skills and actions that take off, and I hope, hope they are. But I think we should really drive the conversation into where we can provide value and where people are finding value today. Good point. Brett, what would you change if you could change one thing for the better? You're on mute again. Is, is, it, your, is it on your side or? I've got it. There you go. I'd like to see more people building uh, more robust AI-based delivery systems. So what we see right now is essentially it's AI in the front end to determine the intent and then maybe do the dialogue management. But after that, it's just deterministic. It's no different than in any application we've built for the last 30 years. Uh, we've already fixed the endpoints of what they can do. And we don't need to do that anymore. And so I think what people are, people are enamored with the voice part of it. And there's work to be done there. Fine. I, I get it. That's, it's, a, it's an amazing interface. But part of the assistant part has to do with the back end and being able to create these dynamic experiences that actually leverage the AI. Uh, it could be very simple uh, AI leverage. It doesn't have to be uh, the more sophisticated 
uh, solutions that we might we might conceive of. But uh, that's what I would say. I'd, I'd say that there's a lot of opportunity for much more sophisticated, much more personalized, much more uh, forward-looking, I think Ahmed likes the, the word agentic solutions. And those are the types of killer apps that I think would really help the uh, market take off. John, what do you reckon? One thing for the better? Uh, the voice-enabled AI-based OS that I mentioned, I'd really like to see that. Um, you know, it's, that's what I put into my blog post. Um, you know, and I think shortly after there's the announcement about the Alexa custom assistant. And I sort of wonder, is that a step towards that? Uh, perhaps it is. Um, but, you know, Amazon can move into that, we move into it. Um, I think it's an opportunity for other potential third-party players. Um, really, it comes down to if you're building an OS, you do need to make these trade-offs. It's not, you know, don't think of it as a cloud platform where there's just infinite real estate. It's a smaller amount of real estate, make trade-offs, and deliver, you know, a great platform for users and for third parties. Um, that's, that's the number one thing I'd look to see. Ahmed, final thoughts, what would you change for the better? So I, I think what uh, what needs to happen next uh, is a maturation of standards. Um, for example, uh, the Open Voice Network, I don't know if folks are familiar with it or not. If you're not, you should get familiar with it. And more importantly, I think you should get involved. Um, and then these folks, and I'm involved as well, um, are trying to sit down and just get to roll up their sleeves and come up with, okay, how, uh, you know, how do we come up with use cases like what's the process of coming up with use cases? What are the standards for uh, for voice user design, right? If uh, if we're gonna go and I'm hoping, you know, the ecosystem is gonna be far more in, in a few years than simply Alexa and Google, um, these new uh, up and coming um, platforms, you know, what standards should they have uh, so that you can write one document or one experience and publish it, right? As opposed to having to write it you know, on multiple browsers, you know, the usual browser game. So I think the, uh, the emergence of, uh, of standards and uh, maturation in, in um, going deep into use cases, identifying you know, what is the use case that, uh, that works and how does one go about doing that? How does one go about discovering a, a great use case? Um, and and you know, the, 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 the emergence of folks who are truly skilled in these things, right? That takes time. Skill takes time. It takes practice. It takes uh, uh, mentoring and all that, and, and the expectation that the first few skills are going to be good, or even after five years, you know, it just takes time for folks to develop those skills. And I think right now we are seeing, which is great, which is actually enthralling, to see, uh, you know, voice design folks who are spending a lot of energy just educating the, you know, the, the, you know, us, and and you know these conversations where we're talking about things. Uh, in a deeper way than at the beginning when we were all of us very excited and talking about uh, you know, you know, the revolution and things going to change. So I, I feel there's maturation, right? Uh, and getting down to, uh, to you know, to, to, to reality. And, uh, and so that I think that's a good thing. And, and, and I feel very optimistic. Cool. Well, I think I like the way that, that it was, that I think Brett, you mentioned around, what Amazon and Google have done as far as laying the plumbing, laying the pipeworks and laying the infrastructure, I think is is absolutely tremendous. There's, there's other companies around there, obviously Microsoft and Twilio and some other companies like that who've been doing some fantastic work. And Dustin, you're absolutely right in terms of 
all this conversation has been pretty much about the voice assistant platforms because I think that's where there's in, within the community has been a little bit of kind of frustration and what whatnot. But the the broader term voice or speech is you know absolutely just blowing up in, in in loads of other that's why we've been focusing so much on customer service in that space there is wicked things being done with you know sentiment detection and emotional analysis with uh, uh, voice biometrics and authentication you know real kind of sophisticated marrying together conversational ai with rpa to really help streamline business processes and help staff relieve the kind of burden of, of, of their repetitive tasks and stuff and there's real sort of value happening over in, in that kind of space and then when you look at you know you like so what microsoft have um, and what the BBC have built with Microsoft and the likes of Houndify powering most of the, the assistance from Mercedes and, and, uh, and Honda. There, there is a huge amount to be excited about, um, I think. And, and I think that half of the issue, I think, is that the supply hasn't met the Alexa and Google Assistant ecosystems yet. You look at app actions, I could probably count on one hand the number of apps that have actions in them uh, or app actions in them. And I think that there's still so much potential in those ecosystems. I don't think it's up to Amazon and Google to give us a red carpet and, and allow us the, the, the uh, what is it, the, the pleasure of just soaking up all of that traffic. I think there's a lot more to it than that. Um, but I think in general, speech technology, voice technology, I think is an absolutely fantastic space. And, you know, you lot, I think every single week, every single day, you are producing either content, thought leadership, doing the work, that's really pushing this industry forward so definitely definitely appreciate you joining us and everyone for, for joining as well thanks very much um well we'll close out with uh we hopefully if everyone's interested we will hop over to clubhouse if you've got any energy left and uh, and continue the discussion over there and we'll invite you all up onto the stage and you can actually uh, you can actually chat to us around because i know we didn't get through the comments and apologies for that um but yeah, final final thoughts in, in one word. Uh, Ahmed, where can people reach out to you and find you online? Yeah, it's a D-I-T-O-U on Twitter. It's cool. John? I am JPKVST on Twitter and on Clubhouse now as well. Wicked. And Brett? I'm at Brett Kinsella on both of those, and everyone knows voicebot.ai. Check that out. Wicked, wicked. Well, hey, thanks so much, Cade and Dustin. You guys, I, I love I love the podcast that you guys have done. You do great interviews. And I really like that you're able to get this crew together. This was a fun conversation today. Appreciate it. Thank you all for joining us. And uh, we'll speak again and we'll join you all again next week or on Clubhouse in a couple of minutes <laughs> if, you, if you manage your way over there. Cool. Cheers.